Hey there, Joe. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm really well, Richard. It's been a while since we've seen each other face to face. It has, yes. Uh, we've both had a little bit of holidays. How was yours? It was great. I was in Darwin for a while and I went to bed each night with my air conditioner on 22 degrees. It was warm and sunny <laughs> and I went to the pool with my sister and her twins. It was lovely. It was great. Wonderful. must be so mm. great to see your family members during the yes. COVID season. Yes, it had been a while and it makes me think of people with family in Victoria and not being able to see them. So, yeah, mm. it was lovely. Mm. How about you, Richard? What did you get up to? Oh, well, um, a highlight for us during our holiday was being able to send our kids up to Queensland. Ah. Uh, they just got in as the border opened and we did the border pass for them and uh, put them on a plane in Williamtown, which was, uh, yeah, exciting. Um, it was quite empty at the airport. A lot of the... <laughs> yeah. A lot of these shops had closed and uh, we had to fill out an emergency border pass uh, at the airport as um, Western Sydney became uh, a hotspot in the Queensland government's point of view. So, um, mm. um, but uh, yeah, they had a good time up there with the grandparents and uh, Jen and I had some time by ourselves um, around Newcastle, yep, going to the art gallery and yep, the odd cafe, things like that. So, um, oh, that does sound fun. Yeah, refreshing. Oh, great. How's uh, Bible reading going? What are you up to at the moment? Oh, wait, hang well, on. We, uh, I've moved too quickly to Bible reading. <laughs> I was going to go there, but, yeah, let's, you were going to talk about um, quinces. That's right, in sharing from our lives. <laughs> you, talked to, you mentioned quinces and I was like, what are they? <laughs> I know. So I've been familiar with quince paste. Uh, yes. that you have with cheese, and I was at the at uh, Harris Farm Fruit Markets and saw quinces for sale for $4.99 a kilo. And I thought, well, why not try a quince? I have um, <laughs> One of the things I enjoy doing is finding or using uh, new ingredients or strange ingredients. And yeah. so I just bought one quince and <laughs> took it home. It's a, like a looks like a knobbly yellow apple sort of thing. And right. uh, I looked up on the internet what to do with it. And so what you do with quinces, they're very woody and tough and you need to peel them and poach them for a long time, maybe like you would an apple or a pear. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I did. I took this quince and peeled it and hacked away the, the, the corey thing, poached <laughs> it in some, you know, the star anise and some the sugar. Beautiful, and, yeah. And uh, sure enough, there at the end of it all was some... Yeah, something that was, wasn't quite an apple, wasn't quite a pear, somewhere in between. And um, I don't know if I'd go back. I'd go to a great <laughs> effort for quinces, but that was, that was a fun thing to do. Yeah. I enjoy going to Harris Farm because you can get those strange things. So the mm. last strange thing I bought was a spaghetti squash. No, what's it called? You know the uh, – yeah, you cut it and, it's, and cook it and it comes out like spaghetti and stringy. No, I think it's spaghetti squash. I've never heard of this vegetable oh, that you're talking about. Yes, it was very good. And another <laughs> time I bought a swede. Oh, yeah. I've never bought a swede before. Yeah. No, I think I've done that once or twice. But, I felt um, quite apathetic about the swede. It wasn't, it didn't wow me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not the point, though. I'm glad we've, we've got a common hobby there, Joe, yeah. getting strange vegetables or unusual vegetables from, uh, from Harris, Harris Farm and seeing how they work. <laughs> I think this might be the first time we've ever had. A hobby that we both yeah do. yeah <laughs> well no let me know next time you uh, get another interesting thing there <laughs> I will well I have been reading um, 
in my travels, I you know, at yeah. one point I was driving a thousand Ks um up to Queensland. So I got an audiobook going and this was Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. Um mm. we all know the story of Little Women vaguely, or we've watched a movie or we've heard about it mentioned. My and wife I thought, has oh, told time. me what happens. That's yes. uh, sorry, yeah. Joe, I there don't think I've read it to myself. Well, I had a friend, Katie, mention a little while ago that it's one of her favourite books and I thought, I haven't read it in ages, so it's time. So I read it and I had the same feeling I had last time I read it, which is I don't need to read this again for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't love it, but I could appreciate why other people might. It's quite a... You know, it's an easy tale. It's often ri- it's written for a younger audience, and so mm. it's easily digested. And it's quite interesting because it's you know, it's set in a different time period in a different place yeah. over in America, yeah. and the father is off at war, and the mother and the daughters are working um, to get by. But there is one beautiful moment which mm. I just can't help but read. No, I tell um, you I don't want to make give any spoilers away. But the context is we've got Amy, one of the sisters. There's four sisters. Amy is one of the sisters. She's quite tempestuous and artistic and um, beautiful. And Laurie, um, the young boy who lives next door, um, who comes to be one of a key family member essentially. Mm. Mm. And there's this quote about them and this is what it says. Mm -hmm. Both were learning that beauty, youth, good fortune, even love itself cannot keep care and pain, loss and sorrow from the most blessed for into each life some rain must fall, some mm. days must be dark and sad and dreary. Mm. And it's quite a sad sentiment mm. that even if you have beauty and youth and good fortune and love, mm. that there is still pain and loss and sorrow in life. And there was an ellipsis in there. I took out some bits to make yeah. it roll through. <laughs> but it's quite the sentiment of the quote I was sitting there driving along through Western Queensland thinking that resonates. Mm. It's a, and it was so beautifully written mm. um, and came at quite a, a wonderful time in the book. So hats off to Louisa May Alcott for yeah. that quote. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you. I love the quote as well. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we do have a, yeah, a little rain must fall. No, thank yeah. you for sharing that with us, Joe. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, as to my <laughs> question back before. The original question. <laughs> how's Bible reading going? What are you up to at the moment? Well, I've returned from Acts back into um, the Minor Prophets mm. because I'm trying to really dig into the Minor Prophets. It's always been a gap for me. Yeah. And I've tackled at the moment Obadiah. I'm tackling Obadiah. Oh, wonderful. Which is, of course, the shortest book in the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, yeah. Only I- one chapter. 21 verses. I did my first talk in MTS back in 2002 on Obadiah. Really? It holds a special place in my heart as, uh, yeah, the, the biblical basis for one of the worst sermons in 100 <laughs> Bible churches history. So, <laughs> What do you remember of what you learned? Um, oh, no, I want to hear from you first, Joe. And oh, I okay. assume that I've, like my hearers, have probably forgotten the sermon. Yeah. <laughs> well, um I found it interesting because it's written, it's a vision of Obadiah, but I was expecting picture language because you hear the word vision and you think picture language, yeah. quite um, amazing pictures often. Yeah. But it's actually then immediately moves to a quote about what the sovereign Lord says. Mm-hmm. And so the word vision has been used in a different way here, I think, which I found interesting. Yeah. Um, and then it's about Edom, which if people were listening a while ago about maps and the maps I've been getting into, mm. um, 
they will know that Edom is actually not part of Israel. So yeah. um, God's people, Israel and Judah, um, Edom is not part of that. It's uh, a nation that has come out of Esau. So Jacob's um, older brother, Jacob, did the dodgy, stole his birthright. Um, but God still blesses Edom, Esau with a name, and that is Edom. Yeah. And um, as a random fact, just to keep understanding the geography, I didn't know this, but I was reading the New Bible Commentary, and it says that Idumea, which is the Greek region that emerges in the New Testament mm. um, times, is actually out of the word the Hebrew word Edom. So Idumea, oh, really? yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, didn't I found that interesting. Yeah, so we've got Esau, the person mm. who was treated dodgily by his brother Jacob, flees to a different place, goes to a different place, sets up a nation for himself, Edom, mm. which then later under the Greek times becomes Idumea. Yeah. So that, that geographical area and people group. Yeah. So, yeah, but the book itself, uh, because it's so short, I just kind of read and reread it again. Mm. And the thing I've been struck by is it's in two chunks and um, the first chunk is all about how God is saying to this people of Edom, these are your brothers. He calls them brother. Um, Israel and Judah mm. are the brothers, particularly Judah, but um, he calls them brothers to Edom this other nation, and he says, yeah. don't join in with the other nations who are going to um, to attack Jerusalem. Yeah. Don't join in. Don't be part of it, um, for you will be judged. Mm. And then the second half is all about, it starts in verse 15, the day of the Lord is near for all nations, and you can see God's judgment sweeping through, and it finishes with a message of hope for God's people, mm. um, the remnant uh, and I find it. I found it interesting to read again and again because it's a it's a message to a different nation mm. rather than to God's chosen people. Yeah, mm. yeah. No, that's uh, um, that is interesting. And having the background is so helpful. There's such a long yeah. history between the tribes descending from Esau, tribes from Jacob. Mm. Um, yeah, I somebody told me once that Herod is somehow related to Idumea, and uh, could possibly have a line of descendant going back to Esau, which mm. makes the trial, Jesus' trial before Herod, uh, before his crucifixion, very interesting indeed. If, yeah. if that is, um, yeah, if that is uh, um, a descendant of Esau conspiring against Jacob. But that is quite interesting. I'm just throwing that out there, but I haven't got mm. the evidence to back that up <laughs> in front mm. of me. Mm. Um, something to lock away and just keep watching for if it comes up again. Something to and, look for, yeah. yeah. Mm. No. I found it hard to find, to think of a a connection with Jesus with this book in a way that our other prophecy literature I haven't. Mm. I found it so difficult. I think maybe just because it is written to another nation. Yeah. And so I was thinking, oh, how is this, how would I read this with New Testament eyes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I found that I've found that difficult. So I'm going to keep reading and seeing if I can work on. Yeah, that. no, that's worth mm. doing. A good task to take on. I love the way you uh, read slowly and carefully over time, and really wanting to grow with these things. I that is complimentary, Richard. I do sometimes just rush in a big way. So <laughs> I'm yeah. not always careful. <laughs> no, no, sure, a variety. Yeah. Thing. 
Yeah. What about you? What have you been reading lately? Yeah. I I thought I'd share um, what our family's doing in our little family church. Um, Ah. I don't don't know if I've told you about our habits, but um, after dinner, maybe three or four nights a week, we'll say to each other, all right, let's do family church, um, which is probably an overstatement of what we do, but um, we go to <laughs> the... It's a lovely overstatement. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> it's just the language. Uh, we go to the sofa and sit down and um, read a, a little book or a devotion or part of the Bible or something. And at the moment, we're reading a great little book called Growing in Prayer uh, by Stephen Sheed. The subtitle is Learning to Pray with Dependence and Delight. And mm-hmm. uh, that's about 30 readings um, of... And each time it's about... Um, Oh, it's a five-minute read, each little chapter, where he will point to a, a passage or two in the Bible and make a few statements about that and suggest ideas to shape our prayer life. And, um, yeah, we've found that really good. Uh, we normally get one of the boys to read. They enjoy that reading aloud type thing, and we say, oh, what, what's his main point and what, which, what Bible verse is he using to make that point? And uh, we reflect on that, talk about how we're going in that aspect of our prayer life and, and briefly pray. So... Uh, huh. it's been very easy to use. And I think, um, yeah, a couple of, uh, one good message that's come out is right from the front, um, quite, um, quite theological. So he's, he made a great point early in one of the early readings, how we approach God as our heavenly father and, you know, not, not just as, as an all powerful being, but as our heavenly father. And that's mm-hmm. how does that shape our prayer life? And, um, so, um, that was a great start. And then, he moved through the Lord's Prayer, looking at different aspects of prayer. And then just yesterday he talked about um, oh, across two readings. One reading he did the spontaneous prayer through the day, how we can do that. Mm-hmm. And then last night it was about regular times of prayer, solitude, you know, Jesus going off to, to pray or um, closing the door behind you into your room and, and praying there. So, um, yep, I found it good. It's helping our prayer life. Yeah, so mm. that's growing in prayer, uh, learning to pray with dependence and delight. And so a question I'm, I'm picturing family church with you and Jen <laughs> and the boys, yeah. and your boys are teenagers and so they can focus. Well, hang on. 15 and 12, yeah. yeah. 15 and 12, yeah. Um, so nearly both teenagers. But do you find there are particular ways, that the particular things that they are more engaged with uh, I want to do. Do they like the more theological discussion, or are they more interested in finding the particular verses in the passage? Like, what do they like doing? At say, as your boys read, uh, they like just sitting on the sofa as a family and sneaking <laughs> in sort of cuddles and yeah, silly chit chit chat and things, which is great. They like being active, so they they like doing the reading, having the reading, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they like um, sharing their opinion. So, mm. yeah, that's the, the question is, what do you think or what did you hear him saying? Or So mm. as long as, yeah, they get to talk and share what they're thinking, um, that they are some ingredients that make it go well. Mm. Um, yeah, they're distractible and, and jumpy even as 15 and 12, but, um, mm. uh, yeah, they're the things that make it work for us. Oh, that sounds great. So what's the book again? What's uh, the book it's called, called uh, Growing in Prayer. By Stephen Sheed. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, so um, no, we'll uh, hopefully have another go at that tonight with our family. Yeah, oh, wonderful. Good to talk oh, we're to you. We're out of time, Richard. Yeah, let's yeah. wrap it up there. So um, uh, all the best with your reading and um, 
and both of the Bible and, uh, yeah, continuing to enjoy audiobooks. And, uh, Thanks. I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. See ya. See ya. See ya.